Well, it's Pentecost, friends. Acts chapter 2. You probably know the story, but we can't hear it enough. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. Hear the word of the Lord. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, and Pontus in Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and all the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thanks for your word. Holy Spirit, be our teacher today. Come lead us again. And I pray that the words of my mouth and meditations of all of our hearts would be pure and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. Have you ever had a suddenly moment? Four points in this. A lot of times we have three points. I'm going to give you four today. Bonus point. (laughs) Point number one, Pentecostal point number one. Suddenly means the Holy Spirit is real. It can show up anywhere. You too can be walking along or sitting in a room, like our text says about the early church in verse two, and suddenly, boom, spirit comes, or the spirit moves in a way that moves you. I once had a suddenly experience that I'll never forget. I was doing campus ministry at Saddle Central Community College, where I was uh, working with university from 1997 to 2006. Loved it. <clears throat> and worked with students doing Bible study and doing evangelism and outreach and had the time of my life down there on Capitol Hill. I met a student named, I'll call him James, and we began a connection and had conversation about God and he actually wound up coming on some retreats and stuff. Well, <clears throat> I found out that James had wound up in jail and I hadn't heard why, I, I just had heard he was there. And I, I seem to remember, I was thinking I needed to go visit him for several weeks and I, I just hadn't gotten to it. And suddenly I felt convicted, I needed to go. 
and try to see him, you know, like Jesus says, as you visit those in prison, you know, you do it to me. He's there too, right? I felt that conviction in my heart. So I decided to go. So I went to, to King County Jail, downtown Seattle, came in there, <clears throat> gave his name, and I found out that he had just been released that day. I apparently had just missed James. Oh, well, I thought. I tried, and, and that, that's that. Well, except that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit wasn't done yet. <laughs> because as I walked away, I heard clearly, I was walking downtown Seattle, walking south, and I heard in my head, I heard in my head, kind of a voice that told me I needed to turn around, walk back up the street, and turn right. Thinking perhaps this might be the Holy Spirit, (laughs) bright guy that I am, right? I thought, well, I'll give this a try, right? I turned around, walked back up the street, turned right at the entrance of the King County Jail, and there he was. Our eyes met, and he started to tear up and cry. I get chills thinking about that. Once again, I learned the reality of the Holy Spirit. Suddenly, maybe that's happened to you. It can. (laughs) The Holy Spirit in a still small voice, that happens in Scripture. Awesome, but contained in that moment. Powerful, but personal. That happens in the Holy Spirit. But so does Acts 2. The suddenly of Acts 2 is a lot more dynamic. And here's my second point. First point, the Holy Spirit is real. Second Pentecostal point, the Holy Spirit is awesome and even scary. Awesome and even scary. In our text, we hear of a violent wind. You know, there's that kind of wind that is... um, well, it kind of it kind of caresses you, you know, on a breezy summer day. And there's that kind of wind that gets a little scary. Like the time I remember in the 19, late 1990s, I was running down Magnolia Boulevard. When I lived down uh, there, a guy housed a bunch of us student interns down in Magnolia, and I was running down through one of those November storms, you know, that hit Seattle, and the wind was so intense, it felt like I could lean into it and it would prop me up. It was a little scary. The Holy Spirit can be like that too. The Holy Spirit is not containable, not controllable, not predictable or programmable. Now, it's not random. The Holy Spirit will never blow untethered to Holy Scripture, but the Holy Spirit can still blow our minds. And so churches living out of Pentecost will be both comforting places and unsettling places in the same spirit. And now it's time for that Annie Dillard quote. You probably know the Annie Dillard quote. She writes, it is madness to wear lady straw hats and velvet hats to church. We should all be wearing crash helmets. Ushers should issue life preservers and signal flares. They should lash us to our pews. 
For the sleeping God may wake someday and take offense, or the waking God may draw us out to where we can never return. The Holy Spirit can be a little bit dangerous, can be a little bit scary, and a lot exciting too. That's point number two. We can't tame this tiger. He's tethered to the word. We can't tame the spirit. He's a little scary sometimes, and the world needs nothing less than an awesome Holy Spirit. That's my second point. Pentecost point. The Holy Spirit is awesome and even scary. Pentecost point number three, the same Holy Spirit fills us. The awesome, real, uh, sometimes awesomely scary Holy Spirit is not content to be distant and far off. The Holy Spirit in our text today rushes, where? Into God's people, into us. It's a wind and a fire that rests on each of us. Churches living out Pentecost will constantly seek to be in touch with the Spirit's touch. Are you in touch with the Spirit's touch? You know, our business together here is a fundamentally spiritual matter. It's a spiritual matter. So our best action will come after we receive. Our best action comes after reception of the Holy Spirit. After all, as St. Paul says, even to believe, we need the Spirit. He says in 1 Corinthians 2, the one without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to even believe. Certainly, we need the Holy Spirit to achieve, right? We had our first staff meeting this week, and it was, it was great. It was a blast. And as has been custom in other staff meetings I've been to, I began us with a time of sharing ups and downs from our lives, and then sharing a life verse. Each staff member shared, as we got to know each other, some, a verse of scripture that meant a lot to them. And then we prayed. And you know, I don't know why I was so amazed, but I was amazed how well our second hour went in this meeting with all the businessy stuff, but I believe that's because we first received before we sought to achieve, right? Because we were attuned to the spirit beforehand. And you know you get in meetings and you can get running off on your treadmill in the same way in life. You get running off on the treadmill like little mice in our day and forget to just breathe in. Oh, it's harder than it sounds, isn't it? Before we do one thing for God, we need to be filled with God, the Holy Spirit. That's how the early church began. And in a sense, that's how the, early, that's how the church begins in us again and again every day. We receive before we achieve. Pentecost point number three, you gotta be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's faithful and he'll, he'll do that for us. Lastly, Pentecost point number four, by the Holy Spirit, obstacles and differences become opportunities. Last point, four. By the Holy Spirit, obstacles and differences become opportunities. Verse six, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Mesopotamians, Judeans, Cappadocians, etc., etc., etc. There's an obstacle here in the text that's implied in verses six through 12. And it's this, 
how in the world are you going to reach so many different types of people from so many different places with the good news of God's wonders in Christ? How are you going to do that, church? How are we going to reach so many different types of people in Makotio and Everett from different backgrounds, different faith backgrounds, different stages in their growth in Christ, different stages in their life? It's overwhelming. It's, there's so many. But wait a minute. Enter the Holy Spirit. It turns out this is the Holy Spirit's specialty. This is God's thing. But look, look at what God does in the heart of Pentecost. God doesn't fix the situation by removing the obstacle. God doesn't accomplish his mission by suddenly giving, suddenly giving everyone one language that they can all understand. God doesn't remove the challenge of differences and diversity. God doesn't remove it because God can handle it in the Holy Spirit. And that is exactly what God does. Rather than making everyone speak with one voice and one language and one style, whatever, God makes his church multilingual in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what blows the listeners away especially because of who is doing it. Utterly amazed, they ask, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? One scholar points this out. I just learned this. It's amazing. You, you know, I've been a pastor for decades, for decades. You just, the Bible, you learn something new every time, right? It's amazing. This Bible is deep. Anyway, one scholar pointed out, he said, Galileans apparently had difficulty pronouncing gutturals and had a habit of swallowing syllables when speaking. So they were looked down upon by the people of Jerusalem as being, well, provincial, I guess, sort of local yokels or whatever, right? You can find that in Mark 14, 70. Therefore, since the disciples who were speaking were Galileans, it blew people's minds. These people over here? Yeah. Those are the people. I'm terrible at basketball. I cannot play. It's like if I suddenly got the gift of basketball, you know, and could suddenly be like Michael Jordan, that would be crazy. Or whatever, you know? If you imagine something as far away from, from what your capacities are as possible, and God just suddenly gives you the gift. You're like, whoa, that's what we're dealing with in the power of the Holy Spirit. So rather than removing these language barriers or obstacles, God equips his witnesses for them. And the marvelous equipping itself becomes part of the witness. God enables mission by supernaturally equipping us to engage the differences. And that's what speaks volumes of the world. The world thinks they're drunk. The world can't even understand it. It makes them go, wow, what is happening over there? That can only be explained. Well, maybe they're drunk. No, it turns out it's the Holy Spirit. It's a spiritual matter. But it gets attention. It gets people's attention. This is the church. This is Pentecost. This is good news. As the church continues to advance and get more diverse, more diverse in ages and generations, more diverse in cultural and ethnic backgrounds, more diverse in worship styles, from chants to alt-rock to everything in between, through the lens of Pentecost, we can see the differences not as a problem, but as an opportunity in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who is real, the Holy Spirit who fills us, the Holy Spirit who is awesome, even to the point of being a bit scary, and the Holy Spirit who helps us learn each other's languages, speak each other's languages. 
The Holy Spirit, who also, one of my favorite passages, gives us the fruit. Fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. All of that through the Holy Spirit. Well, takeaways, how can you and I trust the Holy Spirit in the coming week and weeks to bridge any obstacles between you and a fellow Christian in your own church family? As different in you as you and this person are, what steps can you take to entrust that the Spirit is more powerful than your differences? What concrete steps can you take in trust that the Spirit is more powerful than your differences and the Spirit can speak to you through each other even though you're different? So think of that internally. We want to be living Pentecost internally. You know, to, be, to make disciples, you've got to be one. To share Pentecost, you've got to be in Pentecost, right? So how can we live in a Pentecost as God's people? By engaging those who are different, even uncomfortably different, in trust that the Spirit is big enough to connect us. Our unity is not in being the same. It's in the Spirit. And then, how can you trust the Spirit to bridge obstacles between you and someone out there the thems that aren't us as yet, right? Someone in the wider community who isn't a church member, who isn't a Christian, that is different as you and this person are, what steps can you take to trust the Spirit will enable you to speak their language so they can hear of God's wonders in Jesus Christ? May Pentecost continue to be the place out of which we live. May the church be born again, again, and again in us through Jesus Christ, our great high priest. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I pray. And we'll just have a moment of silence. Come Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to trust you to suddenly show us what we needed. Thank you, God, that you fill us with your Holy Spirit, whom we need to receive before we achieve. Thank you, Lord, that your Spirit is awesome and powerful, which we desperately need. And thank you, Lord, that through the power of your Holy Spirit, obstacles and differences are merely opportunities for the Holy Spirit to work, to bridge. Help us to move in that. Nudge us when we need it. We trust you, Lord. Thank you, God, for all you're doing already at MPC. Help us to get on board and keep fanning the flame, the gifts that you have brought here in manifold, myriad ways, a delight to behold. Through Christ I am, right? Amen. Amen, amen, amen.